For this evening, our scripture reading can be found in Matthew chapter 5, and our text will come to us from 1 Peter 3. So first, turning to Matthew chapter 5, we'll read two sections out of it. The first one beginning in verse 9, 9 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 9. Here we read, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And turning to verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, Let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And in First Peter chapter 3, this is the third sermon on these, these verses. I'll read only verses 8 and 9. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And our focus this afternoon will be specifically on the second part of verse 9, where it says, but on the contrary blessing knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And so, congregation, you've all seen it in various forms, as I did this past week at a stoplight. Two cars were lined up uh, to turn left, and before you know it, the window rolls down, and the guy is throwing his hand out the window and signaling, what's the holdup? Front window goes down, the hand comes out, what's the matter? And so they go back and forth. And it's a way of repaying evil for evil. 
retaliating to the other person of what he did to him. And these might be, seem like small things, but it all comes from that heart of retaliation, of hatred to one another, repaying evil for evil. And there are small instances like this, but it also is on the large scale where we see the terrorists attacking Israel. This is retaliation, but on the national scale. And even though there's differences between those two, Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ. There is a way that God teaches his people to live that is different. There's another way. And so how do we really confront these challenges in our lives? We do need to recognize the difference, as I said, between a personal response and, for example, the national response that is required in Israel. Those are, there's a civil response required there. The nation has a duty to defend and to fight. But here, in this passage, Peter is addressing our personal response to situations that we face. And as we know that the only thing that can change a person's heart is the grace of God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is here teaching his people how to live and how to interact in a world that is at enmity with God and, at, and at hostile to his church. And even when we live here in this country where you could say that kindness is said to be the great commandment, even though it's defined differently than we find in Scripture. Here it's, in this world, they say you have to be kind, to be tolerant of, of everything, although they're not kind towards an absolute right or wrong. But in a world like this, in an ordinary setting, say at, at home or at school where everything is going well, it's difficult to tell the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. And often we see unbelievers who even outdo Christians in their acts of kindness, in how they deal with other people. But where God really draws the line is when life gets difficult. And God calls us not only to refrain from evil, to resist from evil, and to resist retaliating, but also to do good and to seek peace and pursue it as we considered last week, and but as we will see today also to bless those who persecute us, to go further, to do what is right. And so our theme this afternoon is, is, is called to bless. You are called to bless. And the first thought is that we are called to bless others called to bless others. Verse 9, again, it says, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. And as we read in Matthew 5, verse 44, Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so to bless someone means really to, to favor them, to have their best interest in mind. And so Jesus uses these words to bless, to do good, and to pray for them. It's all about seeking their best interest, their welfare, their protection. 
And so that should be the desire of her heart. And Peter is calling us to do this in contrast to retaliation. Instead of retaliating, we must bless. And what does that say? This shows us really who we must bless. Because who are those who are doing evil to us? When, you, when is it when you want to retaliate? Is it when someone else does something to you? And so this shows us who we must bless. Because it's easy for us to love those who love us. Jesus said, don't even the tax collectors do that. They love their own friends, even though they're corrupt and deceitful. But we are called to bless even our enemies who are doing evil, who are reviling or threatening. Romans 12 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And then to curse really means to wish evil upon them. Then our words or our desires or our actions are intended to bring evil or hurt to them. And that's retaliation. I remember even a simple thing growing up when I was young and you'd see these farmers working on Sunday and you'd wonder, why doesn't God just not let it rain on his farm and and get him for working on Sunday? These are thoughts of retaliation even though they are not doing anything to us. It's wishing evil on someone. But God says, don't curse others. But it becomes even more difficult in these situations where people are doing evil toward us, where people are reviling us. And instead, Peter and Paul both say, bless instead of good, or sorry, bless instead of curse. Wish for their good. Now, this does not mean that we have to pretend they're doing nothing wrong. It doesn't mean that we agree with what they're doing. We do acknowledge their sin. And if we can, we also would call that out. But he is saying that our response in the face of that must not be uh, sin, sinful. It must not be like theirs. It must not be repaying evil with that same evil they're doing to us. And so what God is calling us to do here is really in contrast to human nature, to the sinful human nature. He, God require, requires us to do something that is contrary to fallen human nature. And this is the wonder of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the grace that he gives to change our hearts to be able to love those who still hate us. And this is where you begin to see the life and grace of God enabling to you to do what you did not do before. But this also means that God is calling you to do something contrary to human expectation. And this is often why doing good to others is also so effective, where it breaks down that person over time and humbles him in the face of someone showing love and a response of blessing can come as, even as a surprise to someone. Because usually they expect you to react to them in a similar way that they're acting to you. And so they would brace themselves for retaliation. And there's many instances, for example, of those who are persecuted or imprisoned and beaten by the guards, of how to show love to the guards and, and, and patience and, and minister to them. And over time these guards turn because of that kindness shown to them. But the very fact that this is in our human nature, people use it, even play games with it. 
There, there are those, there's a, a small, small guy that he'll go around and he will come up behind a big bodybuilder and he'll just bump into him just to get a reaction out of him because he knows human nature seeks for retaliation. He expects the man to turn around and confront him. But when we respond with the blessing to someone who does evil to us, they often do not know what to do with it. Again, we hear of Sabina Wormbrand when she met the soldier who had killed the rest of her family. He expected hatred, but she showed him love. She embraced him and showed compassion. And it's God's grace alone that allows us to respond in such a way that when it is most impossible to do so by nature. And that is because you have learned also to know the love of God towards sinners as we are. To us who by nature are at enmity with God and He showed unconditional love to us. But we're also called to bless others in the light of justice and in the light of the law. See, Matthew 5 or 38, what we read, Jesus quotes the Old Testament where God gave the Israelites limits for judicial punishment, where he said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If someone did something wrong, they, they, were, they would face the, the, the civil justice, but they weren't supposed to be punished more than was due their crime. So an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But, but some people had interpreted this as personal payback. If you knock on my tooth, I'm going to knock out your tooth. Personal, personal payback and retaliation. But Jesus is saying here, do not take justice into your own hands. Do not retaliate. Because when we retaliate, when we, when we repay evil for evil, then we are breaking the law ourselves. You remember when the mob came to capture the Lord Jesus, and what did Peter do, children? Peter, he took out a sword and began to swing the sword. He wanted to take off someone's head, but he just got his ear. And Jesus says, put that sword away. Those who fight by the sword will die by the sword. If you repay evil with evil with your sword, you and retaliate, you, will be, you are guilty of breaking the law. And then you need to face the consequences of the law. That's civil justice. So retaliation is breaking the law, taking justice into our own hands. Just this past week, in a neighborhood not far from here, some thieves were breaking in, and they had stolen someone's work truck and emptied it of all the tools. And when they came again at another time, one of the neighbors had caught them. He, he hit him, he pinned him down to the ground, and he waited for the police to arrive. And the police said, you're not allowed to do that. You are going to be charged for assault. He had gone beyond a simple defending and had also repaid evil with evil. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the limits are of self-defense. We won't get into that here. But the Lord says in Proverbs 20, Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Rather, on the contrary, Jesus says in Matthew 5, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Love 
and blessing is the fulfilling of the law. Last week we heard about refraining from evil. Refraining from evil in thoughts and words or deeds. That's half the command. That's the negative half. Don't do this. But the law also has a positive side. Do good. Love. Bless. Pray for them. It's not enough just to stop evil. Then you stop halfway, but we must also keep the law in a positive sense. That's what Christ, by His Holy Spirit, also works in His people. That's what Christ has come to do on this earth, to keep the law, to fulfill the law. And this is the work of sanctification that God works in you with His Spirit, conforming you to His law, that law guiding you through this life. Now, if you turn to Romans chapter 12 for a moment... Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. There Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So he's saying the same thing here. And in verse 17 he says, Repay no one evil for evil, having regard for good things in the sight of all men, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Remember last week, seek peace and pursue it, chase after it. And beloved, verse 19, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then it's interesting to note that as you get into Romans 13, it talks about submission to government, because this points out that we are to submit to the proper justice system given by God In the government, God has given the government to execute justice on criminals. So we do not need to retaliate because God has put this into place, the proper authority in place to deal with it. And God is that ultimate judge and God uses the civil authority to execute justice in this world. And so the government is responsible to God to control the crime and to execute justice in our land. We are not to take it into our own hands. And yes, you say, well, that's certainly difficult, and it's even naturally impossible, as we said earlier, to have compassion on those who revile us or who do evil to us. But really responding with blessing is that perfection of compassion, as it said in Peter 3, verse 8, it gave, we considered those characteristics, that attitude that Christ had, that compassion for one another, to bless others and pray for them, is really that perfection of that compassion for those who are still without Christ. And so that reveals really the humility 
that God also produces in you, in his, in his people. Because when you respond to other people with kindness, you also realize that you're very vulnerable, that they will likely even take advantage of you. Another simple example, when we were helping out in the city and, and there were homeless people or other people there, and we'd be picking up the garbage, and someone came by and said, yeah, be my servant, and he throws more garbage on the ground. And so they, in a, that's a simple way to show how people really take advantage when others show acts of kindness. It might seem like you're always being trampled down and taken advantage of when you're trying to do what is right. And this is where we often want to stop. Because we say, well, they don't appreciate it. They don't deserve it. Look what they're doing back. So why should I be nice to them? But this is exactly where God calls us to persevere. That perfect compassion, love, and pity is demonstrated despite the evil done to us. And this is exactly what God did to you. When you were, as Paul was, breathing out threatenings against him and his church, God showed nothing but kindness and compassion to you. But Paul also has his own example in 1 Corinthians 4. And he writes there and he says, I think that God has displayed the apostles as men condemned to death, made a spectacle to the world, a showcase to the world to suffer hunger, poor, uh, thirst, poorly clothed, beaten, and homeless. And he says in verse 12, and we labor, working with our own hands, so he does sport, get workers for his own living. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. And he says, imitate me. And so this is contrary to that natural reaction that comes out of our heart by nature. And so this is why Peter says here in verse 9, knowing that you were called to this, called by God to be his children, sons of the Father, called to that perfect righteousness, to that perfect conformity of the law, to do good, not just half, not just refraining from evil, but also to do good even to those who do evil to us. Because God does a complete work. When God begins a work in you, He will finish it. He will perfect it to enable you, to restore you to what He has created you to be. And the call for us to deal in mercy and love regardless of how others behave towards us because that's how God deals with us. That's how God deals with undeserving sinners at enmity with Him. Psalm 103, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Why? For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. God did not repay you for what you did to Him. Rather, He put it on Christ. The iniquity of us all, He laid on Christ. 
In God, we can see how He works. In Matthew 5.45, He said, God makes the sun to rise on the just and on the unjust. He makes it to rain on the good and the bad. And then secondly, not only call to bless others, but call to inherit this blessing. Call to inherit a blessing. Verse 9 goes on to say that you may inherit a blessing. We bless others in anticipation of that eternal blessing, that eternal inheritance that God gives you. And with this, God gives a living hope, as Peter said in the first chapter of this book, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, those who God has begotten to a living hope through the resurrection of God from the dead to an inheritance, an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, that is reserved in heaven for you. He says that there is an inheritance laid up in heaven, laid up in storage for you. It's there where it cannot be stolen. It's there where it cannot wear out or fade away. And that blessing is distinct from what we see here on this earth. Here God brings sunshine and rain on the good and the bad. The wheat and the tares grow up together. And often it seems that the wicked can prosper more in this world than God's people. That's what Psalm 37 it complains about. But this blessing is what God has in store for His people in eternity. And this is a blessing that you patiently wait for. Not like Esau who did not care for it and he sold it for a pot of soup to his brother. He had the blessing, the inheritance that was rightfully his, but he sold it. And later he regretted it. But here God calls us to be faithful. And in, in the light of that passage in, in Hebrews 12 about Esau, he says, in whatever circumstance you find yourself, Paul says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So God calls you to this inheritance, to inherit this blessing. And with that, God comforts you with the knowledge that He preserves you as well as the blessing. Because you've been saved for that very purpose, called to inherit. In verse, chapter 1, verse 5, He says, You are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. So it's not only the internal inher- eternal inheritance that is kept in, in, in store, but God keeps you. He keeps you from falling away into sin. He keeps you from being overcome by the enemy. You remember how David often had to complain. He says, one day I'm going to fall into the hands of Saul and perish. And you fear that you might be overcome by the enemies. You fear that you might fail in your faith under persecution. But God is the one who keeps you, who upholds you for this. And Christ also encourages us by letting us know that this is common, that all his disciples in this world will suffer persecution one way or other. And again, Peter in chapter 1, he says, even though now you're aggrieved by various trials, this is the testing of your faith. Though you do not yet see him yet believing, these are the fiery trials for the sake of Christ. He says, do not be 
alarmed by them. Do not think it strange. Do not be discouraged by it. But there's a purpose. Understanding that you are saved by grace alone also help us to see that even the evils that come against us, God uses for the good of His people. God will work it out to good for those. Everything serves to conform you to the image of Christ. These evils that come against you are used to conform you in your response to the image of Christ. And so submission to everything here in this life, whether it's a trial, whether it's persecution, whether it's prosperity, whether it's a responsibility that's laid on our shoulders and we don't really want it, it all begins with submitting to God's will for our life. And that also produces submission in the context that Peter has been speaking about in these last chapters, and these difficult circumstances. And so it brings a meekness to your heart because you begin to see past these moments in our life, these difficult moments, these trials. You look past those people who are doing evil to you. You look past them to God who controls even them and everything in this world. And so the encouragement of this inheritance that God gives comes by realizing that it is received freely by grace, not of our merit, that you may inherit a blessing. Because these blessings are not earned, but inherited. An inheritance is passed down to the family member and it's not passed down because of who you are but, or what you are, but because of your relationship to the owner. You receive an inheritance because of your relationship to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when he calls us to bless others, we don't bless others because we want to receive a, 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 a blessing. We don't bless others so that the result is that we'll receive a blessing. But we bless others because we do inherit a blessing because we already receive a blessing from God. It is not because of our works, but it's also not without works. There is a, the works, the fruit of faith, the good works that are produced in the people of God. Like James says that faith without works is dead. And so blessing others, doing good to those who do evil to us is a fruit of the life of God's grace in your heart, evidence of God's work. He says, we have freely received, we freely give. And what is it really that we can give to others who do evil toward us? To bless them, to pray for them, to wish for their good, for their salvation. And what, occur, what an encouragement it is when you realize that the blessing that God gives you can never be taken away. No one can take it away because Christ is the one who has earned it for his people by his obedience to the law. Because he was reviled and he did not revile in return. He was persecuted and he did not threaten, but he kept the law perfectly. And by keeping this law, his active obedience, he earned that eternal salvation, that eternal inheritance for his people. Christ not only refrained from sin and retaliation, 
but he perf perfectly fulfilled the law in blessing and doing good to others, to those who would persecute him, to those who would crucify him. And his heart's desire, even as God's word says, is that they would believe, is that they would turn to God and be saved. And if Christ would have sinned at all, no one would receive this blessing. No one could be saved. But then we are all condemned under the law. But Christ kept the law, and we did not earn it. And we live out of the benefit of that by faith in the hope of entering into it one day. And so when you face these people in this world, they can revile you. They can do evil to you. They can persecute you. They can spit upon you. And they can even kill you. But they cannot take your blessing. They cannot take your inheritance from you. And this is why Jesus says in Matthew 10, Do not fear those who kill the body. But they cannot kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul. And cast him into hell. And so really then there is no reason, is there? to be defensive, to, be, to retaliate, and to repay evil with evil. Because what does it gain you? It'll only hurt you. So Jesus warns us that we will be hated by all for Christ's sake. And then we're called to lay our complaints out before the Lord, the judge of all the earth who hears and who will deliver in due time. Now, I'm not trying to say that you should never ever stand up for yourself in the face of Opposition, there are right ways, and I don't have the time or the knowledge to get into that right now. But this is what God calls from a heart of love for sinners. And if you are in Christ, adopted into His family, and even when we fail, even when we react in a wrong way, when we respond in anger, in retaliation, and we fail to keep his law. We cannot lose that inheritance. Because it is secured in Christ. The one who obeyed on your behalf. And the one who paid on your behalf with his own blood. And that inheritance is given not because of how you can behave. But because you belong to God. Not on your ability. But on your faith in the son who did. And so we must bless others knowing and believing that rather than hindering our blessing, it is a reminder of our blessing. And even in some ways, it's a reward in heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Then rejoice and be glad, exceeding glad, he says, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. It's nothing new. And there's a comfort knowing that you then are fellow heirs with Christ, secured in Christ, and he freely gives us all things with him. How then shall we not also freely give to others? If we could only have that in perspective, that when we face those who come against us in this world, oh, then it'd be a joy to bless others with a delight and desire in their heart that they also would know the love of God 
to sinners. So seek peace and pursue it, he said. Chase after it as those hunters after the antelope. And yes, our peace in this life is often disturbed for the reason that we will always keep our eyes on the real blessing. Not the perishable things of this world, but the incorruptible inheritance in heaven. And that we would serve God more fully in this life. It is by these means that we learn to trust in God, that it is only by His Holy Spirit that we can be enabled to do what we in our human nature cannot, but only by His grace and Spirit to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who spitefully use us. And then it's not in ourselves. We don't trust in ourselves for this. We don't trust in others, but in God alone. Because in the end, He will only, only be the one who receives all the glory. But you will freely receive the inheritance with Christ, fellow heirs with Christ. Amen. Let us pray.